0: Success Stories is presented by TheConstantInvestor.com. I'm Alan Kohler and every week my writing and podcasts put the financial world in context with a focus on the issues that matter. As a member of The Constant Investor, you can also access our exclusive Facebook group where I'll answer your questions directly. Join us today. It's just a dollar for the first month. Now here's Catherine Robson with a success story.
1: Not many children want to be bankers when they grow up. But when AMP Bank's Managing Director Sally Bruce was a child, she experienced the highs and lows of her parents' small business in a tiny Queensland town, and she understood the importance of credit firsthand. Now with over 25 years of finance under her own belt, she continues to believe that banks should be in the business of finding solutions, and that the right funding can enable whole communities to thrive. It feels
0: really natural, but it's probably taken some time to get to that. Uh, There's no doubt, and I think anyone who knows me, it's very obvious that the country girl within, they say you can take the girl out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the girl. So I think that's very, very real. Where Um, did you grow up? I grew up in a town called Miles, which is roughly five hours west of Brisbane, so 1,500 people. And you are the
1: sixth child of six in the family.
0: I certainly am.
1: And so has that manifested itself in terms of you know how you approach challenges, needing to sort of vie for attention?
0: Oh, It definitely has. And I think both those factors are really big in who I am professionally. Um, the first one being sixth of six, I, I think when you're the youngest in a big family, you actually have no regard for hierarchy uh, because you're demonstrating your relevance or attempting to all the time. And I've learnt over time that that wasn't normal. Um, And it's very helpful organisationally because you can be talking to, you know, very important people who are either clients or up in the hierarchy. And I've never naturally been intimidated by that. Uh, And I think that's great, you know, when you have no nerves and you can have those quality conversations. So I think, perversely, being sixth of six has really helped me in that regard. Uh, Being a country girl... is really what has shaped me and perversely brought me where I'm today. I say to people, I'm a banker because I'm a country girl. I think I'm the only person in the country who might make that statement. But, you know, I grew up in a small business. And uh, What
1: sort of business did your parents have?
0: My parents had a few businesses. Um, they had a transport company, a ready mix company and a mine and others along the way. Uh, But basically they employed somewhere between 50 or 100 families at different times, which is material in a small community. And um, from a very early age it was clear to me uh, when there was stress in the system and it was also very clear to me that often that was linked to the availability of funding from banks. And I saw the mortgage stress at home but the stress wasn't about us and our family, it was about the 50-odd families that we were supporting. Your know, mum and dad would really feel it for the community, that, and they'd have that greater worry. So, you know, I pronounced from a very early age, much to my parents' bemusement and I think horror, that I was going to be a banker and I was going to solve the problem. I was going to be part of how the communities got support to achieve their goals and thrive. And, you know, my mum actually said to me at the time, darling, that'll never happen, you'll be too bored. Um, So we've talked about this many times, her and I went, gee, that did happen, Mum. (laughs) And so here I am still um, really treading that path of, you know, I really think bank's sole purpose is to facilitate wealth and wealth in the sense of people being secure and being able to prosper and live the life they want to live.
1: And ever tempted, given that your parents were business people, owners of their own destiny, to do that yourself? Later in life, I have.
0: But earlier in life, no, I did what most children do, or many do. I overcorrected and said, I will never do that. I've seen that firsthand, and I don't want to. (laughs) So, you know, I'm in the privileged position now where I run a business, even though I don't own it. And I think I've found the lovely marriage. But earlier on, I was very determined that you wouldn't do that, and you wouldn't bring that stress into your life. It
1: strikes me that you've been very determined and very independent from an early age. So you went away to boarding school when you were 12 and then you started working almost as soon as you went to university. Was that something internally that you, you know, had a time clock on yourself that you wanted to to get moving? Oh, look, there is
0: something in me, and, and my mum will tell you it's from my dad, that it's very clear to me life's not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot at it. And so I've always been impatient. And, you know, I would have conversations with my mum as a child going, what does a good life look like and how will I spend mine? And so I have had a restlessness and I still do, um... I think perhaps you know, my family and others might hope I mellow at some stage, um, but my dad never did, so it's probably not going to happen. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I've just been okay. Well, let's not waste this moment because we won't have it
1: again. So you went to university to study commerce, correct? Um, but as I said pretty much as soon as you started studying, you started working at Macquarie Bank. Why did you make that choice to combine work and study rather than, you know, have the quintessential university lifestyle, which is go to a few hours of lectures and then spend the rest of the day at the pub? I think um, it was
0: really a couple
1: of factors. I mean,
0: I was very fortunate. Macquarie had an undergrad program then, not a grad program. So they picked me up, and you're right, I was 17. You know, we finished school in Queensland at 17 and so I was really a baby and I was in my first semester and um, there were two things happening. It felt right. It felt really right to be getting on with it and not to be dependent on mum and dad anymore. Uh, You know, I said there were six of us. By then they had a tribe of grandchildren too that were in the business. I thought, okay, it's my time. It's my time to do my thing. The other thing was actually I was really bad at university life. I had too much time on my hands and I had no idea what to do with it. And so um, I I really did – I regret it now. I think, God, why don't I just go with that? But um, I really didn't enjoy the spare time and um, I thought, I've got to get busy. This is just – I'm not busy enough. And so I guess it's that restlessness that came out. I I really think – I probably could have spent three years on campus and achieved nothing because unless I'm busy, I'm not productive.
1: <laughs> and it strikes me that at the same time you were breaching for new opportunities, Macquarie was growing really fast during those years too.
0: Oh, look, I feel so blessed to have had such a wonderful apprenticeship there because you, you, you do own businesses and so often in corporate apprenticeships, you become a deep specialist, so you're accountable for the whole value chain. So, you know, you knew what was going to resonate with customers. You had to. You had to know how you were going to deliver that. You had to know the IT components of that, the marketing components, how you're going to fund it. Uh, you, You had to get that. And so it's such a privilege to have one of those apprenticeships. And, you know, I started mine early and I think that that was a real blessing and a gift.
1: So you're also blessed to have a wonderful life partner and also two beautiful kids. I can imagine it was enormously challenging going into being a mum for the first time, still having you know lots of work responsibilities. But also, I think that at about the time that you were pregnant, your husband Rob was also um, diagnosed with cancer. What was that experience like?
0: I was really clarifying actually, uh, and you know we're so lucky. Um, we had a big scare with Rob, and you're right. I was seven months pregnant. It set us up for everything that came next. Uh, Rob became very clear on what was important to him. I became very clear on what was important to me. And the life we have now is totally crafted around that. When it transpired, actually, and you're probably picking up, my mum's a really big figure in my life. Uh, And fortunately, uh, my husband and her are very close as well. And she was quite interesting because she sort of said to us, well, Sal, you're not going to stop work, are you? And I said to her, what do you mean? And she and my husband basically declared, well, we know if you do, you'll be a public menace and you'll probably run a military academy for the children. So, you know, I think this is a really helpful point in your life to be clear that you're going to do both. There's no greater joy in my life than being a mum, uh, and I was always going to be a mum. Uh, and, uh, you know, that will be the area that, you know, I'll be determined to get right uh, as best as any parent can. It was also really good to kind of almost get the permission from your mum who you know, comes from a pretty traditional place to say, you know, that's just not you, be who you are because that's how you'll be best. It gave Rob great permission to be the parent he wanted to be and me the parent I wanted to be and probably needed to be.
1: One of the things that big organisations that you've worked for in addition to Banking Do Well is insurance. Was it also a real lived experience of why insurance is important and, and what that means in a tangible sense, you know, when Rob was ill and think extrapolating that to yeah. what the future could look like?
0: Oh, look, we learn a lot about insurance pretty quickly, <laughs> it's fair to say. We had a really interesting experience, which is a good story about insurance, that um, as my husband was in having major surgery for cancer my cat was having its cruciate ligament done their hospital stay was similar and it cost me a lot more for my uninsured cat than it did for my insured husband <laughs> so you know that story is legend in our household that the cat cost more than rob when he had cancer but it was a great insurance story huh you know we didn't have to worry about that and you know, I knew this before Rob was diagnosed because my dad was ill for a long time, and my mother and I sat for three months at the end of his um, bed in ICU, and the first thing we would do every morning was pull the checkbook out, and we would write the gap check between all the things he'd had done, the Medicare check and our MBF. And we would just write the check for the gap. Um, It's a great story and a really important part for people to live well and to understand how they have control over themselves in different circumstances.
1: In your role, you don't have that face-to-face relationship with customers, but you have such a critical influence on the team of people who do. What are the things over time that you've found really useful that that you've implemented in the organisations that you've led that have created the sort of outcomes, like you say, when people really are committed to that ultimate customer getting what they need?
0: When you say that I'm removed from the customer today, uh, but have great discipline at staying really close to the customer because uh, work all work can become a process but um, we're very clear it's in service of customers and we're only successful in service of customers. So that is in every aspect of our mantra. So I spend time on customer calls, um, making outbound calls to customers on you know, what's their experience.
1: Do they get a bit of a shock?
0: Uh, Well, I never say you're talking to, um, you know, the MD of the bank. I say, you know, talking to Sally Bruce from head office of AMP Bank because, you know, I I think that provides a better quality conversation as well. But they're always delighted, actually, and and it's a mix of calls in terms of calls that um, are things that have gone badly or calls that have just gone normally or extremely well, uh, just ring and say, look, thank you. Uh, I know you've been dealing with this recently. We are always looking to learn and listen uh, to be better. Uh, Can you just talk me through what you experienced? So uh, we do that. Um, I've actually just done... um, a national roadshow to meet all the intermediaries, uh, and that's really unusual. But I did say to them, "Look, I've, so
1: intermediaries are people who sell AMP Bank products directly to customers correct, on your behalf. Correct. So mortgage brokers, brokers financial and advisors. financial
0: advisors typically, yes, accountants. Uh, and so we just did a national roadshow, and uh, you know, I said to them, look, quite purposefully, you don't typically get the bank managing director at these, but." Uh, I'm a year in role and I thought it was really important to have a conversation with you around um, what you can expect under my leadership and you could have a direct conversation with me about what you needed to see. And so uh, that proximity, that visibility of proximity, but also I am very, very purposeful in um, ensuring that all our decision frameworks have a customer lens. So every decision we make, we have a customer checklist Uh, uh, around our customer philosophy. Are we serving the customer? Could we sit in front of a customer and explain this? And uh, that's critically important because it reminds everyone what we're doing. And I think in business, all business, um, the economic rationalist can always emerge and justify things. And it works to really create the balance there because everything we do, we serve a customer well, it serves us. It's simple Um, But you have to remind everyone because you get caught in the process.
1: You're one of those leaders who's very authentic, that walks the walk and talks the talk. And you're a great role model around um, finding balance between your purpose at work and strongly aligning that with your purpose in your broader life. What are the tools you've employed to allow you to have that genuine mix of things that are satisfying in your life? I've really got
0: quite structured in how I think about it. So I've already declared family is, you know, it's the food for my soul and the great source of joy in my life. So, you know, when I'm not travelling, I'm home every morning. So I'm an early riser. So one of my great habits, and it's the one that people will call out, is, you know, I start at five every morning. You start working? Yeah. I start at five every morning. So what time do you get up? Depends. But I start at five. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, I get up at five um, and get on the, the tools. And so I work from home for a couple of hours. It's a, a blessed time so I get so much done. And, and I can be a bottleneck. So when my day starts, it can go anywhere. And so those couple of hours are precious to me because it, I get everything out that the team needs from me so they can get on and do what they need to. But then it also facilitates that I get dressed and ready with my two daughters. If my schedule permits, I can drop them off to school on the way. Uh, and then, you know, I'll do my full day. And my other um, discipline is that I limit the number of nights a week that I'll do out. So, you know, most days of the week, I spend time with them at every end of the day. It might mean I get home and log on and do some more work, but um, it works really well for me. And I'm an avid believer that parenthood is one of the great professional learnings. Um, many people believe, you know, and you hear it all the time, you know, oh, gosh, that's going to ruin your career. And, and obviously there's lots of case studies where you know, family, creation of family is unhelpful for career development. But I actually think it's, you know, fantastic in professional development. You learn what's important. You know what to sweat. Um, you go home and you have to refresh because you've got something really important captivating outside of it. And, you know, it's the best lesson in people leadership because you don't always have a a willing followership. So I think there's many great things about family that are important. So two big things that I'm involved in that I really love and enjoy um, is the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute of Medical Research. So, um, you know, that is just an amazing organisation where you know, things such as um, snake antivenines and the ability to incubate the influenza injection. You know, these guys do amazing work and it's a group of really smart people who think and approach things very differently to me. So I love working with them.
1: And they also do quite a bit of cancer research too, don't they?
0: They do all kinds, yes. So, you know, cancer, malaria, it's a a broad-based medical research um, organisation. So, you know, the opportunity to learn and, and to be helpful there is amazing.
1: And um, how did that opportunity come to you? Did you seek it
0: out? Was it a coincidence? No, I was really clear that I wanted to get involved in things outside of work that um, aligned with my interests. And um, my interests uh, and my passions are actually you know, a- about facilitating long-term success things that have a long life cycle that really provide a better future. And so in being clear on that, uh, someone presented the opportunity to me.
1: One of the conversations we've had in the past is how having a highly engaged team um, is one of the best assets you can have and that one of the ways that you can encourage engagement is to allow some flexibility in the way people work. And I heard you describe it as you know, almost measuring it in terms of, you know, uplifting productivity rather than the deficit of number of hours people are at work. Describe a bit more about how that has worked in the organisations that you've led. Oh, look, I had an epiphany a number of years ago where I sat
0: um, in a one-on-one with one of my team members who was amazing and we had an hour catch-up and got to the 55th minute and she talked to me about some flexibility she wanted. And it was a really easy conversation. The answer was yes. It was never a challenge to me. But it sat really heavily with me. And that night, I felt quite bad about it because I thought...
1: And because she'd left it to the 55th yeah. minute, she was
0: afraid to raise it. Exactly. That was the toughest part of the conversation for her. And I thought, my God, like, I'm so open to this. And if that's a hard conversation with me, how hard is it normally? And, and so at that point, I really realised I had to be very open, that flexibility was incredibly important. It needed an invitation. Um, The fact that it was what I was all about and very easy for me, um, that wasn't obvious. Um, It was obvious to me but to no one else. So I became really um, public about it. And at that point in time, which is quite a few years ago now, I actually invited my whole team um, and said to them, look, if you want to work flexibly, just know the answer is yes. Yes. And if anyone asks you and your team, the answer is yes.
1: Being an MD, being a CEO from the outside often seems quite glamorous. What are the more challenging aspects of the role you have?
0: Oh, look, I think um, part of it is actually the perception of what the role is and um, you know that it is off as an island and it's also the oracle. Um, and, and these are absolutely at odds with who I am. You know, I go back to I'm sixth of six. I, I've never done anything of mine. <laughs> Eating eaten a meal on my own you know Uh, so uh, you know work is a team sport for me so uh, it's really important even in that chair and especially in that chair um, that you're in the team because you can be very isolated and you can start to believe your own feedback Um, you need to be in the community and talking your team community but your client community so that's one of the challenges Um, people don't expect it and, and often you know it feels a bit uncomfortable for them to facilitate it but it's Absolutely necessary. Um, but the other is that you have all the answers. And, um, oh, you know, I, I long for that day, but I suspect it's never coming, and I don't have any real desire. Um, I, I am as smart as the people around me, and, you know, um, the team is a Brains Trust, and I'm kind of the orchestra. You know, um, I conduct that. And, um, you know, getting people and leadership teams to really believe and understand that you run really big parts of this business and I'm the conductor and ultimately I'm accountable, but I'm here to help you be your best, not here to tell you or direct. Um, And, in fact, you'll have much better information than I do. I'll bring my experience and my wisdom to that and I can synthesise this part with that to help you. Uh, And I think that there's a perception which is probably very dated that, you know, you kind of... Just the guy who issues orders and, um, you know, it all falls into place. It's much more participative and um, it requires the wisdom of many to get it right. You've achieved an enormous amount. What's in the future for you? My two daughters are... One's almost 12 and one's 10. I really hope I raise some productive citizens. I suspect that's my greatest challenge and it will be my greatest achievement. So that's really... um, Big and on my mind. I've got some very formative years ahead of me on that. From a work perspective, it's a continuing journey, huh? I'm in the pursuit of seeing how through, you know, my professional capability and position I can help as many people as possible. And really um, you know, it's something that's lovely about AMP Bank, you know, it's not a bank that's targeting the wealthy. It's it's a democratised place where you know, um, from get-go to the wealthy, we're here to help you because we want you to own you tomorrow and, um, you know, it's it's an amazing place to find yourself when that's your objective, to serve the community. So uh, I'm really pursuing that and I will continue to be restless. I just see every day spending it in pursuit of that and living a very full life and, you know hopefully pushing two kids some stage into the world in a way that you know they continue the journey so
1: AMP is an iconic Australian institution when you think about Australia in the future you know what are the things that you're really excited about I'm a natural optimist
0: uh, I think the opportunity is really amazing I think Australia is in a very privileged place we are we have great social mobility which is one of my passions it doesn't matter where you come from, you can you know, thrive and survive and be very, very successful. Um, one of the things that I'm really, really keen to see is more of that in women. I really want to see how we unshackle you know, the great and amazing talent pool that we have um, because I see um, I'm still pushing and I'm you know, being blessed professionally in doing so, but I started with a very broad peer group Uh, And there's only a few of us still pushing. And um, I think uh, we can facilitate that we can have very productive families and we can have participation of both genders in the corporate government and not-for-profit sector in measure where that is not sacrificed. And uh, that's what we've got to do. And I think, you know, Catherine, you and me and every one of us has an obligation because Australia will be truly great when we know that.
1: Well, it's wonderful to spend some time with you, Sally. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you. Success Stories was presented by the constantinvestor.com. Our theme music was written and performed by Broke Free.